The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. Hero first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country. Those who die in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured. Veterans who fought for our nation's freedom only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo, New York firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young children, catastrophically injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. On this episode, our friend Ryan Gurdusky returns. He is the founder of the 1776 Project Pack, and he'll tell us a bit about what they've been up to. Also, his Substack, uh, which is the National Populist Newsletter, is phenomenal, and you should all Check it out. Uh, subscribe to it on Substack. We're going to talk about Trump DeSantis, Biden versus whoever, early states, the 2024 process, how it's all shaken out, how it's looking, and some school board stuff. So deep diving into politics here. Ryan, let's start with this one. Um, we'll, we'll do this in what will be effectively chronological order. How's the Trump DeSantis reality playing out right now? Um, right now, Trump is Trump is obviously way ahead. I mean, he's probably ahead in every single state he's gained. Trump had massive losses after the primary, after the general election of 2022, because most of his candidates lost. He backed a lot of losers. And I think with the exception of like one 
one candidate in every state that he lost in 2016, or 2020 rather, all of his candidates lost. I think just the Lieutenant Governor of George was the only one who won. Um, so people were frowning on him because he couldn't win elections. And then, you know, time kind of heals all wounds and people forgot. And he also had that 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 arrest, which was that indictment sentence. Um, and there was a rally around the King effect. And I think that that is definitely benefiting him. And he's really the only one actually running. DeSantis, Trump has an effective team actually working. DeSantis does not. He just doesn't have a real campaign operation. What, what do you say to, what do you right say to people, Ryan, who, who at this point say, well, hold on a second. DeSantis isn't really a candidate yet, so it's not fair to assess how he's doing as a candidate. That is true, but you can have an operation when you are not a candidate to as a precursor. So you could have a surrogacy program, right? Would he'd have people, high profile people on television every day, defending him, promoting him, attacking Trump as a precursor. That doesn't exist. You could have early uh, endorsements as far as a ground game lined up in the, in the important first few states. That isn't happening. In fact, Lee Zeldin, who was supposed to allegedly be one of the key people in his New York campaign, New York is, I think, the fifth or sixth state to vote in this primary cycle this time because they switch. Um, it he they he just endorsed Trump. Um, he doesn't have an effective operation in the slightest. Um, he's doing these book tour events and he's going to Japan, and it is extraordinarily tone deaf for the moment. Um, and he really hasn't had a big news story since the six-week abortion ban, which is hugely unpopular. So the last big news story is the abortion ban, wildly unpopular. It's as unpopular as defund the police. And um, he has no surrogacy program to defend him on television and radio every day. And he has no operation to start building out early, early state uh, organization. He literally just lost one of his key people to Trump. So... That is not that is clearly not evident that he's actually running a real operation um, in any sense of the word. And Trump is and Trump has Susie Wiles, who as this political uh, campaign person who is one of the best in the business. Susie is brilliant and she it's not private public information. She hates Ron DeSantis and she is, you know. Why does she hate Ron? Why why does she hate Ron DeSantis? Because you're an insider with this stuff. A lot of people won't know that. Why is there beef there? Uh, Ron got her fired for allegedly leaking materials, and she uh, she says she never leaked it. So that's the entire fight. The fight is over the fact that she got fired in a campaign. I think the 2020 presidential campaign she got fired from uh, out of, like, deference to DeSantis, who said she was a leaker. Because um, he does hate leaking DeSantis, and he's very good at not having people leak in his operation. And she says that she never did it, and that's literally the, the feud. Wow, so there's like a blood feud in the midst of all of this politics as well. Um, yeah, and that's should... why you notice that Trump is going harder on DeSantis. It's not just because he's his primary opponent. It's because like the hate from that campaign is real. I would I would estimate there are people within that camp who want to beat DeSantis more than they want to beat Biden. Wow. What could DeSantis do at this point in your mind? What has to happen for him to try to make up some of the ground that has been lost to Trump in the last few months? One, he needs a national message. Uh, Florida, freedom lives in Florida is not a national message. It's not. You're not going to plant palm trees in Michigan. 
Like there's no actual, I read his book too. There's no national message of what he wants to do as a leader. Like you can't make every state Florida. It's just not actually possible. So what are you going to do for the industrial Midwest? What are you going to do for the Southwest? What are you going to do um, in, in places like New Hampshire and Maine second congressional, which are still swing areas? What are you going to do? in in uh in places that are key swing congressional districts that need republican support like in you know in oregon's fourth and fifth district or in uh you know the eastern part of of, you know washington state where you need republicans to turn out for their house candidates what are you gonna do for any of those people there's no national message florida lives free is not a freedomism florida is not a national message woke goes to die is not a national message i want something that sits there and says if i close my eyes i can envision uh, like a country that that Ron DeSantis leads, that's not there. He needs a surrogacy program to attack Trump every single solitary day on media. Um, he doesn't have to do it, but he has to have people who do it. Nikki Haley is not doing it; she's only attacking him. Um, and Asa Hutchins, no one's going to care about. And Vivek doesn't do it either. And you need um, and you need endorsements to start coming, and you need a national rally about you and say why you can't. It's so bad right now for the DeSantis team that in the mon- morning console poll. He, Republicans view Trump as more electable than DeSantis, which is emphatically and like any sense of the word. But he's lost even messaging on that. Trump is the greatest person when it comes to branding in the history of the world, him and Kim Kardashian. It's really true. And he has branded himself on certain things as being an outsider when he's an insider, as being a winner when he's a loser, like with elections. Uh, as being somebody who's accomplished things that he never accomplished, never built a wall. Like he says these things to these supporters and he's branded himself to these things to Republican voters and they believe it. They don't believe it because it's true. They believe it because they trust the brand. The same way that people believe that smoking was good for you for 50, 60 years. So the brand was solid. Um, DeSantis doesn't have a real brand. He's only been in like, you know, real national government for four years. And uh, the people have paid attention to in any way. And um he, uh, I mean, the brand so, of freedom is not enough of a brand. Tell me this. Do, is there any polling, is there any data, any numbers that can give us some sense as to whether DeSantis, because you said Trump has branded himself as a winner. And it's interesting because even bringing up the 2020 election among certain people in the, in the Republican base, you, it's really difficult to have a conference. It's like, well, what, what, what can be done to have a different outcome than 2020. And I'll get people who will say, well, we don't need a different outcome in 2020 because you won. To which I right. say, well, Trump, I, himself, Trump himself privately has said he's lost. Like, but he's branded himself as a winner. Right. But, so but you see what, what I mean? Like, how do you even, how do you yeah. even address campaign strategy with that portion of, of the GOP base that's going to say, no, the strategy was great last time. We just need the same strategy this time. But let me put this a better way. If DeSantis and his surrogates, once DeSantis gets in this race, which we're all expecting to happen, if they attract, if they attack Trump for being a loser in 2020, is that going to poison the base against him or is that an effective tactic? DeSantis himself does not have to sit there and say that, although a debate host is going to ask him that question point blank. Like he will ask, like a debate host will ask every question. Um, DeSantis could sit there and say there were outside people affecting the election, like social media and blocking Hunter Biden. And all of which, that, that's all true, by the way. That's all real. There, the, that's the, 100%. The, that it is was 100%. Yeah, of course. That, 
it was fixed. It wasn't exactly stolen. There's a difference. There was definitely people putting their thumbs on the scale against Trump. Guess what? Welcome to Republican versus Democrat politics. That will always exist. That existed under George W. Bush as well. There was huge efforts against Bush in 2004 when during his reelection, huge efforts against McCain and against Romney and, mind you, against Donald Trump in 2016. The difference between winning and losing is 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 huge. And this is like the main difference. I wrote this in my substack, in the National Populist Substack. When he ran against Hillary, you had two hugely unlikable characters, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, incredibly unlikable. The difference was that Trump won the vote of the people who don't like either of them by 20 points. So if you didn't like Hillary or Trump, you were more likely to vote for Trump than for Hillary. Now, and it, this is this was the Wall Street Journal poll that was done by Tony Fabrizio, who is Trump's pollster. This is Trump's poll. And Tony is a fa- fabulous pollster. Um, he's, and Tony, by the way, has said over and over, the election wasn't stolen, but that's besides the point. Um, Tony said, among people who don't like Biden, to Biden and don't like Trump, that same population, which is close to the majority of the country in both cases, they support Biden over Trump by a margin of 51 to 15. So he's losing that same group of people that he won eight years ago by 20 points. He's losing them by almost 40 points this time. So there was no. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, I want to return to this. I just want to take a moment for our, for our sponsor here because I want to ask these two questions. Where does Trump stand, which is a continuation of what you're going to say, and I'm sorry to, to have cut you off. I didn't mean to. Um, but where no, does Trump okay. stand vis-a-vis Biden based on the numbers right now? What does that tell us about where it's going in 2024? And then, because I'm, I have a feeling what you say may be a little depressing, what could Trump do as the nominee to get the numbers he needs to win? So I, I want to come back to that in a second so we're not just all like super depressed. Like, why are we even having an election? Because sometimes I hear <laughs> yeah. people talk about that's how it feels. But How many more headlines and much more speculation of our dollar no longer being the world's currency do you need to see before deciding it's time to diversify with a purchase of gold? Look, I'm like you. I want our dollar to be the currency standard for a long time to come, but there are a number of strong world forces that are trying to change that, and they may well be succeeding. China, Saudi Arabia, Russia, you name them, one country after another. Look, gold is good. The value and stability of gold as both an investment and a hedge against inflation has been proven time and time again. So is my precious metals vendor of choice, Oxford Gold Group. Since I started investing and speaking of Oxford Gold Group four years ago, their advice and direction has proven right repeatedly. Gold and silver can be the protection for your portfolio you need, and it can also be used as currency, too. So why not have some gold and silver on hand? I have for years, and it's just a comfort to have, particularly on the mornings when you wake up learning there's another run on a bank or People not able to access their cash. Call Oxford Gold Group. It's who I use. It's who I trust. The call is free, and the people on the receiving end of your call are knowledgeable and trustworthy. 833-707-GOLD. 833-707-G-O-L-D. They make it easy. They've been at this a long time and can arrange for an easy, discreet delivery to your home. One more time with that number, 833-707-GOLD. All right, so let's start with... This is going to be kind of a, a good, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly here. Um, we're starting with the bad and the ugly, though, I think. <laughs> How do things look right now based on the trend? Let's just put it, based on what you said about DeSantis, let's just assume now Trump's a nominee, right? For the rest of this conversation, okay. let's assume Trump's a nominee. So mm-hmm. how does it look for Trump going into 2024 against, against uh, Biden? So right now, everything suggests he would lose every single state he lost in 2020 plus North Carolina. 
and Texas would be extremely close. He would come very close to losing Texas within a point or two. Well, that's terrifying. So losing Texas is yeah. That's how bad. That's how disliked Donald Trump has a favorability rating among voters about thirty five percent right now. He is one of the most toxic individuals on a national stage. Only the only person more toxic than him is Mike Pence and Kamala Harris. Now, so it's very bad. That that's not that's not encouraging. What that's, was the it's really biggest? Bad. It's really bad. What? No, I've I've gotten the it's really bad part of this for sure. Um, yeah. What? Just from a demographics perspective, so everyone right. knows this, what was lacking in 2020? Right, put aside all the other noise and the and the the Zucker bucks and the ballot harvesting, all, all that stuff. Right, you know, whatever. Right. What numbers weren't there that needed to be there to win the key states? Who either didn't show up or showed up for the other side in 2020 when Trump was trying to win re-election? So, I mean, I think that I think that Trump's campaign team and Trump has said something to effect, this effect. I think his campaign team made the made the very frequent mistake of underestimating how many people were going to turn on the electorate. I think that he thought it was going to be much lower than it was, um, which happens by the way to a lot of campaigns from city council onwards. Just more people show up, they're more engaged. Um, but I think when you look at the overall numbers. Of it. Where Trump is like just bleeding support, it's among white suburbanites. It is so bad. It is so heavy and so bad that I don't think that there's really much of there's. Okay, so if you look at the electorate, right? The electorate's going to be about 63, 64% Caucasian, maybe 65%. Let's say it's 65% Caucasian. Trump will win probably somewhere around 57% of that support, 56% of that support. So you start his number at about 30 to 36, let's just say 36% support. Okay. Then the elector is also 12%, 13% black. Trump's going to get 1% of that if he's lucky. So now he goes from 34 to 35%. The electorate will be about 15% Hispanic. Um, and among those, if Trump does amazing, if he pulls a number of pass, he does what he did last time, let's say he gets 39%. So it's three and a half, four percent 4% more. You're at 40 two, 43, and then there's a bump from Asian, Native Americans, whatever, and you're at 43, 44%. What Trump managed to do in his first election was one, he got 47% of the vote by increasing the vote of non-college educated whites because he kept enough college educated whites who said, I hate Hillary Clinton, I hate her too much, and black voters who didn't vote. Um, that dynamic does not work against Joe Biden. Joe Biden, if you saw his first ad, it was two major things, democracy, three major things, democracy, abortion, black votes. Because he has to keep the black vote high. He has to sit there and engage uh, the people who hate January 6th and think about it every single solitary day and say Trump's a fundamental threat of democracy and sits there and um, and brings up and brings up. Uh, uh, so can, it, can I tell you my, my concern? And um, yeah. and this is in the and again, I, I feel obligated here to, to continue to try to just learn as much as possible and have the most honest conversations possible about this, because it felt like going into 2022, it was. Crime is bad. Economy is bad. We're going to kick their asses. Everything's going to be awesome. And then whoops, not so much. And while for me and a lot of other people, Liz Cheney and the and the and the other Democrats, I know she's a Republican, but she's a Democrat now, basically doing this January 6th, you know, theatrical experience like it was like the musical Cats or, uh, you know, Guys and Dolls or something. Right. But it was, you know, January 6th. I looked at this and I thought this is preposterous. But. When it came to voting, it seemed that there were a lot of independents and particularly college educated white voters for whom that stuff resonated. They're like that January yeah. 6th stuff. 
you know, I, I feel I got yelled at on the Patrick Bet David podcast recently because I was like, look, like Trump's in a tougher position now than he was running in 2020 in a lot of ways. I, I don't think he was blamed well, for the pandemic. I don't think that I think that's an easy excuse. I mean, sure, it made people depressed. But what do, what do you think about like what, what happened uh, with with regard to the way that it went in 2022 and, and how we can look at the independent vote through that prism? Well, remember, in 2016, of our base of 2016 voters, several million are dead just because they've aged out. And the, and, the, and the demographic change in our country, Generation Z did not was not a big voter block, even in 2020 as it is now. And they're far left. It's the most progressive generation ever. Where you're going to make, uh, even though Gen X, by the way, is becoming more Republican and millennials are moving more Republican, despite what that stupid Financial Times article said, which is not true. Even though millennials and Gen, and Gen X are moving more Republican, it doesn't account for the added votes and the dying of the greatest generation and that and that silent generation, them dying. We're losing a lot, a lot of voters. Um, if you look at 2020, Republicans are dominating on quality of life issues, education, crime, housing prices, inflation. You look at a county like Maricopa County, Arizona, 60% of the of the state of Arizona lives in one county. Republicans won the DA race. They won it by eight points in Maricopa. They won um, they won this, the, the county's uh, school board seat, superintendent of education seat. They won almost every down ballot election there was for quality of life when it came to quality of life issues in 2022. Who lost and who was the main culprit who lost? Anyone who sat there and said abortion ban, support abortion bans, and that the election was stolen. Carrie Lake, Blake Masters, uh, Abe, whatever, Abe, Abe, whatever his name was, and then Mark Fincham. They all lost across the entire board. Uh, you know, being Tasha, not that you need to win Maricopa, but you can't lose it because like, there's a guy, Tom Horn, he was education superintendent of, of Arizona. He beat an incumbent Democrat in 2022. He won statewide in Arizona. Lose, even though he lost Maricopa, he's just going to lose by that much. So, I, I, do, yeah, do, people, do people from MAGA world, do they argue with you on these numbers in this analysis, by the way? Like to you, not, not the performative crap on Twitter. I mean, do people really think you're wrong <laughs> on this stuff? Um, not many. I mean, not the people. I they just. I mean, I speak to people in Trump campaign world all the time, and I just say to them point blank, like, you know, you can't win, right? Like, you know, like this is the like it's just the primary. You're not going to win a general election. People genuinely independent, suburbanized. They genuinely, their minds are made up. There's not many people left in this country who don't know how they feel about Donald Trump. And unless the conditions are so poor, things we can't see out in the future, let's say we go into a massive recession. Let's say we go to war with China or Russia, like something that happens that is cataclysmic. Next level, there's another COVID problem, something on that level that we we don't foresee. Um, and people's heads are like gun, the guns to their heads. They don't they do not like him. Like it's just it's just an instinctive thing. They don't like him, and the abortion thing is really, really, really hurt Republicans, and it hurt them. If you look at the overall map of the country, there was a red wave. Blue districts got redder. Red districts got redder. It was the suburban middle class counties that care enormously about the issues of like democracy and the, and the issues of abortion that were the ones that moved bluer. And that's where all our swing districts were, and that's where we lost them. So, and it didn't help that the map wasn't really favorable to us and all the other, all the rest of it. But that's why we lost the Senate candidates we lost. That's why we lost the governor candidates that we lost. Um, and, you know, there is a lack of 
there is a lack of uh, temperate, temperate uh, sorry, the way that Trump has been approaching a lot of these issues is too vitriolic. But I will tell you right now, you asked before how we can sit there and maybe gain some ground. Trump is already running a general election campaign. When he dropped abortion restrictions as part of his platform, which was like a last week where he said he would not support any restrictions on the federal level of abortion, which I, by the way, think is a smart move, um, that shows he's triangulating towards a general election campaign. Um, uh, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other issues. The one thing that he will never move on is publicly acknowledging the election was stolen. And uh, for a lot of people, Trump is running as if he was never president before. He's saying, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. Dude, you didn't do any of it the first time. You moved an embassy. Like, congratulations. Like, you cut corporation taxes and you moved an embassy. Like, no offense, but I, I kind of don't think you're going to do this again so this is just i mean i wish you know i honestly kind of want to do like gurdusky fields the phone calls that i get talking about this on radio because i'll just have some people um you know listeners or maybe they're just deciding to troll me for the one time they're calling in i don't know but they'll say things like um i'm voting for trump again because he kept all of his promises and got everything done that he said he was going to get done and, right, and Marlboro and cigarettes and Philip Morris are good for you. I mean, I don't know how, I, I don't really know what to say to that because it doesn't matter, because it's clear that it wouldn't matter. And, and, and then I say to them, I voted for Trump twice. I thought overall, you know, he did, he did well as, as president and I obviously vote for him against Joe Biden. It doesn't matter. I have to agree with all this other stuff or else there's like a sense of betrayal. Like how could you be... You know, I mean, I'm I'm supposed yeah, I mean, to, I'm supposed yes, to say yeah, no. I'm supposed to say that Florida sucks. The wall was built. You know, these are things I'm supposed to say, or else there are some yeah, people. Yeah. Maybe it's a small, but they get mad at me, and I don't really know what I can say to them. I, I don't really know how to. I, I I get a little flabbergasted by it. I guess. Well, I'm not out for a popularity contest. So I don't care if they get mad at me. But the the point is, and they control me all day on Twitter. I don't read the comments. So. I just, I listen, I never, there are a ton of people in the media and I, I go on the media a lot. So I will consider myself part of conservative media, but a lot of people who will openly lie to their viewers and they lie to them every single solitary day. They're paid to lie. A lot of them are paid by campaigns secretly or organizations that are supported by campaigns to lie, straightforward to lie every single solitary day. Some believe the lie, but most do not. And at the end of the day, my consciousness is there and says, okay, if there's, if there's a wall built, how are all these uh, migrants crossing the wall? Where, how are, how are, where, we see tons of video footage of migrants walking across the border. Why aren't they being stopped by that wall that Trump built? And he built 15 miles, which is okay, better than nothing. But if Congress stopped them, they had to get 15 miles built. Or did he not try? Why did he never, why did, why, why did Donald Trump push most of his, most of his politics to his Democrat son-in-law? Could I, could I, um, get somebody who is all, uh, all in on Trump on the other side uh, already, right? I, I, can yeah. I try to, I want to moderate a, could we do like a show where I, I will moderate yeah, a debate between to. you two? Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah. Listen, you know. and I don't come at this as some, I'm not Bill Crystal. I'm not, you know, Cindy McCain. I voted for Donald Trump every time he was on the ballot. The day he came down that golden escalator, I said, he's my guy. 
like a lot of people, but like a lot of people who came to Trump to support him, I didn't support him because he was on The Apprentice. I didn't support him because, you know, he was going to tell McConnell F himself and act like an asshole on Twitter. Excuse my language. I'm not going to, I was, I didn't support him. I support him because he said, our country is fundamentally broken by our elite, which I still agree with. I still agree with every policy he put forward in 2016. I voted for him to be president and very few of those policies ever got accomplished. And it's not because the chance wasn't there. It was that we didn't have a leader who even exercised that chance. And let me give you one little example. He could not get the RAISE Act done. The RAISE Act, which would alter our immigration policy fundamentally for the better. He could not get Republicans to sign on to it, or Democrats, is when they had the majority in both houses. So you know what he should have done? He should have sat there to say, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, the president has the sole authority to withhold any class or any single immigrant that they want to on their own, unilaterally. If Trump called, just Biden was Biden's president today. If Biden said, guess what, guys? No more redheads in this country. He has unilateral authority. No one can tell him no. Trump had that authority. You know what he was doing? He was meeting with Jeff Bezos, saying how Jeff Bezos needs more immigrants. So, his, so his hold state, on. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on a second. I I, I got to reach for some scotch here while we're doing this podcast. <laughs> okay. And and I need to I need to numb the pain of what you're telling me a little bit. Um. And yeah. and I and I do. By the way, I want to have because this needs to happen because what the situation right now is we just have people who the the line from the Trump surrogates is agree with everything or you're a traitor. And and More than I said here never happened. And 2020 never happened. And and I I sit here and I say, I've supported Trump for years. I've supported Trump in ways that have cost me friends, have cost me, you know, peace of mind, just like walking into events and stuff from psychopaths who were threatening me. Like, you know, I've been and I'm just trying to make sure we don't lose again. And that is that is the part. I don't want I think I want to estimate this way, though. Look. We Joe Biden has a very real chance of picking uh, Alito and Clarence's replacements, Clarence Thomas's replacements on the Supreme Court. There's a very real chance that that could happen in our future. And we have nine Democrats in swing dis- swing states and the U.S. Senate up for a vote in 2024. We can't screw around. This isn't for, you know, shits and giggles. This is a real thing for the future of our country in a real fundamental way. And we just can't sit there with with a guy who just released a book making fun of John McCain's funeral again. Like, it's been five years that he has been dead. What are you still angry about? Like, what kind of person are you? You just lost Arizona. Carrie Lake just lost Arizona. Blake Masters just lost Arizona. So your plan is, let me release a book where I shit on John McCain a year before the election, when only three states really matter, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Arizona. I mean, that is that shows that we care about winning more than the man who would put his name on the ballot does. All right, all right. We're going to come back. We're going to come back here in a second and talk about how we can actually win, what winning, what the pathway to winning would be so that Ryan doesn't make me so depressed that I decide that it's time to <laughs> take up learning like the mandolin or something and forget about politics altogether. We'll get to that in a moment. The team at MyPillow wants you to get a great night's sleep every night, and they've got the most comfortable set of sheets on sale to make all that come together. MyPillow's Giza Dream sheets are the next set of sheets you'll own. Made from soft cotton found in a region of Egypt called Giza, these Dream sheets are the softest, most comfortable sheets you'll find. They're back on sale at their lowest price ever, starting at $29.98 per set. You find them online at MyPillow.com. Use my name as the promo code BUCK 
when you're online to get prices that are that good starting at 29.98 percent mike lindell and his team are so confident in how you're going to sleep on these giza dream sheets they're giving you a 60-day money-back guarantee sleep on them for two months before making a final decision and they come with a 10-year warranty too telling you just how well they're made go to mypillow.com click on radio listener specials to check out this sale on the giza dream sheets Remember to use code BUCK at MyPillow.com. That's MyPillow.com, promo code BUCK. All right, Ryan, time for some positive time. Okay, the coach has told us that we, we've we blown our coverage and we're fumbling next to the end zone. And okay, all right, fine. Now tell the team, sir, how we can actually get into the end zone and win this game. How can we win 2024? What has to happen? I think that... I think Republicans need to accept certain fundamental truths, one of which is even if we had 60 United States senators, we're not going to ban abortion nationwide. And all fighting on a federal level on abortion is going to be still about Planned Parenthood funding. It is. We should leave it to the states and just walk away from that fight altogether. It's never going to happen. To fight hard for something that you can win is totally acceptable. To fight for something hard and possibly lose for something you cannot win circumstance is a mistake. Um, I think states should be it should be left up to states and states should decide. Um, so that's one. Two, uh, you got to just walk away from the whole 2020 conversation entirely. Not important. Talking about really living January 6th, not important. What's important is not the children a woman may have. It's not um, it's not conversations on things people did at the Capitol three years ago. The conversation is what's going on for that kid in a classroom today who has that experience of massive learning loss, who is more likely, if they're a black kid, more likely to die now than they were before 2017 um, in the streets of places like Chicago, Philadelphia, and Baltimore, and Louisiana, New Orleans. Um, what are we going to sit there and have a real conversation about how, how are we going to prevent like another COVID from happening? You know, everything Trump ever said in 2016 was true about how we don't have a manufacturing base in this country and we still don't have one. And the job, the manufacturing jobs that did come back under Trump didn't come back to the Midwest. They came back to Arizona, to Nevada, to California, to Texas, to Florida. They didn't come back to the Rust Belt. How are we actually going to make a real positive investment in places that people are, are just leaving? And how are we going to make those, how is the federal government, the same federal government that killed those places by putting China into, into uh, the free trade, uh, into the World Trade Organization and, and giving free trade to China, how are we going to reinstate those people's hopes and fears? Those are the kinds of conversations that need to be happening, you know, need to have. How are we going to protect the border when literally thousands of people on the terrorist watch list have crossed our border? Those, those are stations that, that require serious people being in charge of our country. Um, can, and, can I ask you? I want to. There's something I want to ask you. I've been meaning to ask you this. Um, mm. Again, based on what we can see from from the numbers, um, I'm trying to tell everybody. By the way, and this is just having been close enough to the Afghanistan issue specifically, uh, and you know, at the policy level and everything else being over there, um, that this idea that talking about the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan is going to win us votes, I think, is crazy because ultimately, and a lot of people don't want to hear this, but we're not in Afghanistan anymore. That's the truth. Yeah, we're not there. So we can talk about the the withdrawal, and it was a mess, and it was you know it was the people in charge look like idiots. Yes, all true, but that's not going to win us the election, right? Ukraine. How does Ukraine factor into all this? Do people care? And if they care enough that it matters for the election, what does it look like for us um, to try to use the Ukraine issue? 
in order to show, you know, endless war is a bad idea, etc. Well, more importantly, endless wars, our Pentagon has even stated we don't have military equipment left anymore. You've given it all to Ukraine. Like, there's tons of military shortages, military equipment shortages. And, like, here's, I think, the way to sit there and explain it. We borrow money from China, who is Russia's ally, to give to Ukraine to fight Russia. So we get hit with the debt and the inflation to fight, that, that it benefits our major global opponent that we have long-term problems with than the current one. I think a big problem for a lot of people, especially in leadership, is they haven't accepted the Cold War is over, and we won it, and it's it's gone now, and Russia is not the Soviet Union. Um, and we should be working with our allies in other places on a ceasefire, on ending the war in some way, shape, and form, not continuing it so we can kill as many Russians as possible. But ultimately, we are at a disadvantage because our military equipment is literally at the lowest levels it's been in decades. And we are doing this at to they're borrowing the money from China to give to Ukraine to fight China's ally and indebting ourselves more to China and creating more inflation because if we can't get the money from China, we're just printing it. So it's I think I think the more the bigger question is is like, you know, we've given more money to Ukraine than we've ever Afghanistan and we still have holes. I've been to like parts of this country that people talk about that they never actually go to. I've been to parts of like the industrial Midwest where there was a pothole so large it was a mattress in it to stop the pothole. Like we are spending far more on other people's problems that we can't solve than we will ever spend on ourselves. And that is a problem for a working class in this country and a middle class in this country who can't pay for college, who can't find a home, can't pay for the down payment of a home, or getting killed with interest rates, long lines for gasoline at times. This is the ultimate problem is how are you going? What I said before with what Republicans are killing everyone on, is, Democrats on, is quality of life issues. How are you going to make the quality of life of the average American better and describe it in a way that Bernie Sanders describes his Medicare policy, where if you close your eyes and you thought about it, you could envision your life being better? I think that's the, I think going back to basics, that answer, that all with great points, hand everyone connected a wall. You can imagine your life being because of X, Y, Z. What is what is the promise of the future? That is what DeSantis should be figuring out right now. That is what Trump should be working on right now. Um, and 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 moving forward into 2024. If the people running the Biden campaign had any smarts, they'd be quick to subscribe to Chalk's male vitality stack. Would that campaign benefit from the testosterone replenishment? Sure would. Would they have the energy to get through a day, a week, a month, maybe? Well, not even with the strength and focus that comes with chalk, I think, with this Biden White House. But look, miracles aren't what we're asking for here, friends. We're looking for science. We're looking for what works. The Patriots at Chalk spent years formulating this daily supplement. Their formulations include all natural ingredients. The leading ingredient in Chalk's male vitality stack has been proven to replenish 20% of deficient amounts of testosterone in three months' time. The Biden campaign would benefit from that knowledge, that's for sure. Everything Chalk makes is lab-tested twice for purity, to ensure the potency is there. If you're looking for more energy in your day, more focus, Chalk's Male Vitality Stack is the answer. Find it online at Chalk.com. That's C-H-O-Q.com. Get 35% off the Chalk subscription of your choice for life when you use my name, Buck, in your purchase process. That's Chalk.com, C-H-O-Q.com, and use the name Buck. Can we win the Senate at least? 
Yeah, I mean, you can. You got to win Ohio and West Virginia, and, they, and just to defend Texas. And I think the map is so good. You, the, the map is excellent this time around. You have so many opportunities to win the Senate. It would be, it's literally unbelievable if it, if it doesn't happen. What, doesn't what's the, is, like is there any place where we could try to steal one out of their kitchen cupboard, if you know what I mean? Is there any place we could pick up a seat where it'll really piss the Democrats off? Because that's always exciting. I mean, yeah, we have the chance of Arizona, because we have Kirsten Center ranks an independent. You have West Virginia, you have Ohio, you have Montana, you have Nevada, where the Democrat this time is even less popular than the government Democrat last time. Uh, you don't have Georgia this time. I think it's in 26. Um, but you do have, yeah, you have a ton of places. There's like, that's five. Yeah, I mean, Arizona is uh, kind of what I mean. Arizona would be like, that would be uh, a morale win too. You know what I mean? To pick up a Senate seat yeah, there. I was just there for school board stuff. Yeah, it would be a huge win and it's totally possible. Um, and I think cinema hates the Democrats more than she hates the Republicans. So yeah, no, it'd be huge. And I think that there's other, I think New Hampshire's up too, which would be a huge win. We haven't had a win there in since 2016 as when we lost our Senate seat there. Um, so it wasn't that long ago. Pennsylvania is up, though it's a tougher, tougher road. Michigan is an open seat. That would be great if it's possible. Um, Wisconsin is up, I believe, as well. Um, so there's there's nine states right there that are swing states, red states, that if you have a red wave with a president who's remarkably unpopular, as long as you don't run anybody who's even less unpopular, you know, and even in 2018, we picked up Senate seats. So it's totally possible. We had a net gain of th- uh, three Senate seats, I believe it was, and there were two mm. Senate seats in the Senate. I'll, so I'll it's take totally this. Possible. I'll take this closing happy meal from Gerdusky here, uh, gratefully, <laughs> and, not, and not ask him any more questions. It's like DeSantis has no chance. <laughs> Trump has no chance against Biden. It was a little depressing. The Senate, however, looking good for us, folks. So take that one home with you, and uh, you know it's there's better days ahead. I promise. Ryan Gerdusky, go check out the 1776 Project Pack and honestly subscribe to his Substack because it's uh, very insightful um, and just go to Substack, right? Look up National Populist Newsletter or just Google your name, Ryan Gerdusky. People are always like, how do I spell his name? I'm like, I don't know, it's, it's close enough. Some <laughs> kind of Polish thing, yeah. Gerdusky. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That so. 10% Polish really came in handy. So There you go. Yeah, thank you, Buck. Who is there for heroes of the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans? And who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's gold star, fallen first responder, smart home, and homeless veteran programs comprise their in-the-line-of-duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. The Foundation's never-forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. 
This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.